Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Joining us on the John Schuster Caldwell Banker Hotline, the Hall of Famer, Bert Blylevitt. Bert Behome Blylevitt. Remember, that that was uh, that was an ESPN thing, right? That was Chris Berman? Yes, that was Chris Berman. Mike, how you doing? Good, man. I miss you, though. Well, thank you. I miss you, too. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I miss you up here, and I miss you sitting in the dugout with you and all that stuff. But we we got some other things we got to talk about right now, Bert. What the heck? Uh, let, let me ask you this: you, you you pitched for a long time, you've coached, you've done it all. Uh, what what is the you know? We, we, Wes Johnson's leaving uh, tomorrow. Uh, today was his last game. W- what is it expected from a pitching coach, and and how important is he to the team, or does it vary a great deal from team to team based on how how they delve up the responsibility? Well, you know what? I I hate to see Wes go. Uh, it mm-hmm. was a decision I know that uh, you know was tough to make. I believe for him, but yep. going to LSU where he's back at the college level, where I think uh, you know he feels very comfortable. I understand that you know the family uh, issue was also there. Uh, he put God and and uh, his God first, his family second, and baseball third. And I think uh, you know with the re- article that I read, I did not talk to Wes. I will uh, in time uh, have his number. I'll congratulate him because it's a, it's something that uh, I think was close to his heart uh, that uh, he wanted to get back into the college level. I think uh, he had to look at the financial part too and also family. So um, he did a great job while he was in a twins uniform. Uh, I think we have to think of that and hopefully the new pitching coach, whoever that might be, uh, you know, does as well as Wes Johnson did. Well, what does a pitching coach do on a daily basis? Describe how it works. You can't describe what a pitching coach can do to make you better. Uh, you know, it has, it has to be positive, everything, because, you know, baseball basically might can be a negative game. Yeah. You know, like, like say, you know, what Chris Archer went through yeah. today, you know, walking seven in four innings or eight, whatever it was, but it was just a bad outing. Well, you need a pitching coach to say, hey, you know what? Let's go back to square one. My first pitching coach was Marv Grissom. I think I was able to pitch for 22 years because I listened to him, and he changed a couple things on my delivery when I was 19 years old, throwing across my body. He opened me up. He brought a folding chair down and said, you've got to hit to the left of this folding chair because I was throwing the baseball like a javelin thrower. I was landing on my heel, and I was 19. I had a strong arm, but 
if I did not correct my delivery, I probably would not have been able to pitch as long as I did. And, you know, I did ask him when he put that folding chair where my foot was landing. I said, well, Marv, what happened, Mr. Grissom? I said, what happens if I land on that chair? He said, well, then you'll break your damn neck, won't you? So he opened, <laughs> Figure it out, son. Huh? Me, that's, that's old school. You know, he opened me up to where my delivery, my chest and my right arm was going toward the catcher's glove rather than down the third baseline. So just little things like that. I, you know, through 22 years, I had a lot of different pitching coaches and they were all positive. I can think of my last one. I had Marcel Latchman with the angels. Uh, he was such a good pitching coach. And it's, it's, that's guys, you know, there's now there's 13, but back then there were maybe nine, 10 guys on the staff and the pitching coach needs to know the personality of every different pitcher he has and with guys going up and down the communication you have to have with them if they get sent down what do we think you need to work on to stay up here on a regular basis i myself i was very fortunate to have not only a great pitching coach i had i had guys like jim perry jim cott louis tion dave boswell all guys that kind of mentored me when i first came up so it's not only the pitching coach that can help you. It's uh, Sonny Gray's now that is a veteran on the ball club. Uh, the the Bundys that can help you know these young kids get through these tough times. You're going to have you're going to have bad outings. It's how you come back from that. So, so uh, what would concern you the most about changing pitching coaches right now? I don't I don't think there's going to be a concern. Uh, I think the players are. You're major league players. You should know what you have to do. You know you need to work out. You need to run. You need to control, you know, the fastball. You need to attack the strike zone. You need to be aggressive on the mound. Uh, I don't think you need a pitching coach to tell you that. It's just that sometimes now with the videos and all that stuff, you can go in a back room without a pitching coach and look at yourself, your delivery, and say, you know, maybe I should try to do this. You have to communicate with the other pitchers, too, on your ball club. Because sometimes, like Frank Viola, for example, he was my best friend, you know, when I was with the Twins the second time around, as Cotton Perry and Tion Basel were, Ron Paranowski, Stan Williams. You, you pick their brains, and you see, well, how did they be so, well, how were they so successful, and what can I implement that into my, say, pitching routine? Okay, so so the, the it looks like it's not the starters, it's the relievers right now for the Twins. Uh, Emilio Pagan struggles today. They they had the you know they had a bad error in the eighth inning that tied it up, and then the, the walk off home run. Uh, from what you see, do, do do you go out and get a couple of of relievers uh, via trade? What what do you do here to shore that up? Well, you know what, Mike, the big thing, I'm not a firm believer in a hundred pitch count. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, starters, starters need to go deeper in the ball game. Extend them to start with and you get a better bullpen, right? Well, amen. You, you can't, you, you know, guys are just getting overused out there. Duffy had a great outing today. I'm sure they thought, let's try one more, but then I don't know how many pitches he threw in the two or three days prior to his great outing today. So, you know, it's managing the bullpen is probably the hardest thing, I think, for any pitching coach. Your starters, hey, if they can go six or seven, like you just mentioned, the bullpen's going to be a lot better. Do you, uh, are there many starters that you, that you can acquire that are good relievers or not? Do, do most, are most starters have a tough time converting to being a reliever? 
I think most of the guys in the minor leagues, to get to the big leagues, you probably have to be a starter. Mm-hmm. I know in my era, you have to be a starter. You know, when I came up, uh, we had an eight or nine man pitching staff of four starters. You know, two guys that were long men out of the bullpen waiting for one of the starters to break down. Yep. And then you maybe had, you know, Stan Williams and Ron Paranowski as, as the setup and close-up closers. But uh, it's a little different today. You know, you're trying to keep everybody healthy out there. That's the main thing, uh, you know, and not overuse them. But because starters only now today go four or five innings, you 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 expect four or five innings out of, you know, those other seven to nine players out there, and that's tough night after night. Bert Blylevin, our guest, do you believe that a closer is the easiest way to run your relief staff, a defined closer, as opposed to a closer by committee? I mean, I mean, you know, your last time here, you had uh, Term, Term, Terminator and, and Jeff Reardon, uh, and, 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 you know, you saw Aguilera, you felt like it was lights out, and, and Nathan, uh, do you believe that's important or not? Oh, very important, you know. I think everybody in that bullpen needs to know what role they have. And I think with the way that the starters are going less innings, everybody is put into different roles that they may not feel comfortable with, you know? So uh, do they have a closer right now? The twins? I don't know if they do or not. He's kind of closer by committee and also the score scoreboard dictates who's come, who, who comes in. Yeah, and, and and they could be fine, but they got a closer named Taylor Rogers. <laughs> That's doing okay in San Diego, I well, guess, if they yeah. uh, stayed with him. But but and, and understanding, there's a lot of reasons why they treated him, etc. Um, two other topics I want to go over for as long as we got you on the line. What will it be like uh, when when Jim Cott and Tony Oliva step up to give their speech at the Hall of Fame? What what is that like for a baseball player? Uh, I'm so excited for them. You know, it took me 14 years to get into the Hall of Fame, and my numbers didn't change. Uh, you know, taking these guys a lot longer. Tony Oliva, I think, one of the most feared hitters in the American League throughout his tenure. Uh, sad that his, you know, knee gave out, and he had so many different surgeries. But I think you ask anybody at the Hall of Fame, with the game on the line, you know, who would you not want to face? And I guarantee you, of the five guys they might name, Tony Oliva's name would be in there. Yep. For Jim Cott, well overdue, a 283 wins, all the gold gloves, the you know long tenure he had, and he should he finally getting into the Hall of Fame as a as a player. He probably should have been in a long time ago as a broadcaster. Sure. He, you know he took uh, not only his playing career into the booth, he did such a great job, and he still does. Yeah, for sure. And when you, but when you step up there and you realize, you know, behind you, there's the commissioner and the greats of the great, is it nerve wracking? How did you feel? I felt comfortable because my mother was there. Ah. My, my father had passed. Yep. Um, I, I got my wife, Gail, and my mother some roses, and they were sitting in that front row, some flowers. And uh, I, I basically spoke to them as I'm sure Tony will speak to his family members and also Jim Cott. What's it like when you look around and see the best in the world around you and know that you're on that team? Well, first of all, do I really belong here? You know, and is then, that what uh, you think? You know, after, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. You know, you're talking about some of the greats of the game. I know when I first came up, I, I met the team back in 1970. I met them in Boston uh, at Fenway Park, and I remember my first day in a big league uniform, walking out and looking at that Fenway Park and thinking. 
Babe Ruth played here. Dick Williams played here. <laughs> the greats of the game played here. You know, Mantle hit in this stadium. And you just, you know, you were just overwhelmed by, you know, the excitement of not only being the big leagues, but such a great ballpark in Fenway Park. And it's still the same as it was uh, back in 1970 when I came up. You covered some ground last week when you were in town, including playing some, some, some memorable golf. I ran this on the news last week, and generally speaking, I try to verify everything. And I, I gave you a very liberal um, benefit of the doubt a picture that was sent to me from Eric Curry. Uh, and it was a picture of you <laughs> circling yourself with a hole in one. And, and I said on the news, I, I would like to see some video or at least one more witness, but I'll go with this. <laughs> what what happened? You got you honestly got a hole in one. There was a doctor friend there too. Okay, so we, had, we had two witnesses there, <laughs> and uh, no, it uh, yeah, this is my second uh, lifetime hole in one. I'm glad I did it in front of Eric Curry because I was one up on him. We play a little game, no, not for money. We just play a little. No, no, just for fun. Game. Yep. Yeah, just who who wins certain holes, and uh, I was up a couple. Then I then he, he birdied a hole, and then we came to that par three on uh, number seven, and uh, it went right at the darn pin. It was over a trap. I didn't see it go in, but we thought, and Eric ran over there, and he was more upset than excited for me because now I was up by two. So it, it, uh, and I ended up beating them by five. I just, if Eric's listening, you're, you're easy, Eric, always. But, uh, no, it was my second career hole hole in one. It took me 15 years to get my second. Now, uh, now did he see it go uh, in? Did you see it? Or did he just think, boy, that might have, because I don't see it. Well, we all three thought it's right at the pen. Yeah. But you don't know, you know, so. Once, uh, once we got the card up there, and Eric actually ran out before I did, and I brought my putter because I, I thought, you know, it probably, you know, maybe went past the hole. But yeah. The darn thing was right in, right in the cup. So just like you planned it. Yeah. You got to be lucky. Got to yeah. be lucky. Now, now you also played a round of golf with uh, Tommy Kramer and Governor Ventura. What on earth yeah. was that like? Well, the hole in one was at uh, at uh, Olympic Hills, oh, right? Come on. Olympic Hills, yeah. yes, beautiful golf course. And then the next day I got to play TPC, which is just as beautiful, uh, along with uh, Tommy Kramer and uh, and Jesse, the body, the governor, yeah. Ventura. Uh, I had met him in the past, and I'd met Tommy about a year ago, and two great gentlemen, and it was an honor to play <laughs> with him. And a guy named Buddy Becker, uh, his I know his Buddy, son yeah. out there, Davis. Yeah, I know, buddy. He yeah. had a son. Yeah, he had a son, Davis, yep. out there, and uh, we just had a great time. Uh, it took us about six hours to play because every hole, Jesse Ventura held court. So, <laughs> you know, what what kind of stuff was time. he was he given the state oh, of the state? Was you, it politics? Was it, it golf? Was it what? Oh, uh, it was everything. Everything in life. Jesse's such a good man, and uh, I I've always admired him, and as I did have uh, Tommy Kramer and. Uh, uh, we just had a great time. Just beautiful, beautiful day. The weather was warm. It was beautiful. And, and Tommy basically sat in agreement with Jesse, or does he get? Does he pontificate as well? <laughs> I'm sorry. What was that? I said, did, does Tommy ever hold court, or is he just willing to listen to Jesse? Oh, he, I think we all listened to Jesse. <laughs> yes, Jesse. Jesse was uh, in charge. Well, you guys didn't have any laughs then, did you? Oh, we we laughed every hole. <laughs> It wasn't really golf. It was just getting to, you know, just laugh and reminisce. And I, I remember 
Jesse, way back when, when I was uh, there in Minnesota, we were doing a Make-A-Wish. Uh, uh, we, it was a fundraiser for Make-A-Wish. And I was sitting at a table, and just so happened in the center of the table, there was a little uh, little jar that had a couple goldfish in it. And I bet everybody a hundred dollars on my at my table that if I swallow a goldfish, will everybody donate a hundred dollars to Make a Wish Foundation? Sure. So everybody agreed. There might have been six or seven people there, and Jesse was at the table behind me, and he heard it. And of course, he said, "Hey, you, Bert," he said, "If you eat two goldfish, I'll throw out a five hundred. Of course, I swallowed two goldfish. So did you really? We raised some good money for uh, for Make a Wish, and he paid up, right? Yes, he did. Yes, he, he would would always pay up. How'd the goldfish end up doing? Uh, I uh, <laughs> I think they're still in there. I think so too. Swimming around. Yeah, <laughs> so around. They're doing something, man. No, hey, Bert, always appreciate it, buddy. Good to visit with hey, you. Mike, I miss Mike, you, Mike. They're they're in there with the night crawlers, right? Too, so. <laughs> I okay. bet they are, man. We'll put a hook down there. See what we can do. <laughs> Next time I see your proctologist, no. (laughs) All right, buddy. Good to talk to you. Thank you, Mike. Best of the twins and everybody up there in Minnesota. You got it. Burt Blylevin, the one and only the Hall of Famer on WCCO. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 